0: little boy who travelled down the front here this morning. Um, I became his mother a year ago, and it's been a very big year. I have uh, had a lot of new experiences and met a lot of new people. And uh, I've met new people in places that I should have met them before but haven't, like my own street, where I've strolled countless times with Tommy, and in a number of mums groups that I've joined, and that has been a joy to meet new people. Uh, What has been less of a joy has been the existential crisis that has been cued every time this phrase has been uttered. So, tell us who you are. Every time someone says, tell me a bit about yourself, I freeze like a deer in the headlights, and I think, oh gosh, what do you want to know? What is the appropriate answer? How can I sum up who I am in one sentence for you? I don't know if you've had this before, but I know that uh, many people feel the same way when they're asked to sum up their life in a few sentences in a small group. So uh, I think that this question is often answered by us in strange ways. Often we are quick to identify ourselves with our net worth, our career titles, the fancy suburb that we live in, our family background, perhaps our race, our religion, our gender, and even in recent times we've identified ourselves or been identified by others according to our vaccination status of all things. I think that when it comes to our identity, it's a big topic in the Western culture that um, we have to grapple with because our culture teaches us two competing lies in my mind. The first is that if you just work hard enough, if you hustle for long enough, you yourself can build a big and beautiful identity that you can rely on. And the second is that if you hustle really hard and you can't create a big, beautiful identity for yourself, that you are then identified by the lack of your hustle and success, by what's gone wrong in your life, your mistakes and failures, and by circumstances that you've fallen victim to. I don't believe that either of those things are true. So many of us spend our lives performing and working hard and making decisions and basing so many of the big ways that we spend our time and money and emotional energy on this goal of just being okay to ourselves and to other people. When things are going well, it's pretty easy to think that we're doing a good job of this and that actually our identity is fine. But our secure identity can suddenly become something that is taken away in an instant, and we have seen this. Circumstances can change, quickly redefining the carefully crafted identity that we have worked four years, maybe even decades, on building. We've seen this in the last two years in the pandemic, haven't we? I think of my friend in London and her friends, previously identified as young, healthy, vigorous young people who now are suffering the effects of long COVID and their identity is challenged because they don't have the same ability even just to walk down the street the same way that they used to. People who were identified as wives and husbands, loving partners, now cruelly re-identified as widows and widowers. And in the past two excruciating weeks in the Ukraine, we have seen beautiful people who would have identified themselves as landowners business owners, successful professionals, loving family members, who are now suddenly re-identified against their will as novice soldiers thrust onto the front line or as mothers and children fleeing, suddenly identified not as a mum at playgroup, who's also a lawyer, who bakes that amazing pan of brownies, but as the mum who is now a victim of war, who's had to leave everything that she used to trust in behind with no idea if she will ever see the things or the people that she loves again. And this conflict might have impacted you too, It's impacted people around the world as we've suddenly been redefined. If you are someone who defines yourself by your stock value, I'm sorry that that has taken a huge hit. And if you're someone who identifies yourself as a person of peace, you might be challenged thinking, well, now my identity is also a global citizen who's under threat of nuclear war. Worldly things that we place our trust and our identity in can be gone in an instant. We have seen this more locally, as Mike shared, with just absolutely heartbreaking images of our fellow Australians sitting on the roofs of their two-storey buildings, with everything that they love and trust, everything that they've worked so hard for, not insurable in many cases, absolutely ripped from them. When you lose everything, and you have to ask yourself, with that gone, Who am I now? And I believe that God really wants us to grapple with this question. I believe that God is very invested in our identity. And I think that, as surprising as it might sound, a very old letter from the Bible might be exactly what we need to explore to answer this question of identity. So today we begin a new series that we're going to be in for a few weeks, unpacking the book of Ephesians. It's a 2,000 year old book written by a man named Paul to his friends in a town called Ephesus. So this was a bustling trade city dedicated to the worship of a pagan god, Artemis. And his writing to the few Christians who would grow over the years and build a big and beautiful church. The Christians who had heard the good news of Jesus and turned from their worship of a pagan god that left everything behind. All of their friends would have rejected them, They might have lost business, they might have lost property to put their faith in Jesus. And so Paul is writing to them. He has a lot to say in this letter about identity. In this letter, Paul challenges the Ephesians and he challenges us to stop striving, to stop working to build our identity the way that the world invites us to. Instead, he invites us to rest in a life-changing truth, that for the ephesians it might have been the first time that they had ever heard this if they'd not met Paul in person perhaps for you you have not heard this either and if you've heard it perhaps it's a very timely reminder paul tells us that when we let god love us and the gospel story reshape our lives that it changes who we are it gives us a new identity god's love redefines it re- redefines us rather and if we let it his love for us And our identity in Christ that he offers us shapes who we are and how we live every minute of our lives. So Paul is writing this to us, to the Ephesians, from a prison cell in Rome. Despite these difficult and uncomfortable circumstances, Paul is so, so grateful for the goodness of God that he has experienced. He's overwhelmed with joy at his relationship with Jesus, and his words just pour out of him this beautiful prayer of praise. So we're going to dive in this morning and pick it up. Ephesians 1, verse 3, after Paul's greeted his friends. Paul says, Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. Paul begins by praising God for spiritual blessings that we find in Jesus. When we think of blessings, we tend to think of things that make our life a little bit more comfortable. Really delicious food, a warm bed to sleep in, people that we love, opportunities, jobs, getting what we want. All of these things are really good things that we should be grateful for. But these types of blessings are not universal. As I've just mentioned, we know that there are people in the world today who do not have access to a safe place to sit and worship, to clean water, to food to eat. So life's comforts and things going our way. These blessings are not at all what Paul is thanking God for in this letter. Instead, he's thanking God for universal spiritual truths, for blessings that we all have access to in Jesus. No holds barred access to every human on earth. In Jesus, anyone, anywhere can enjoy peace with him. Anyone, anywhere can enjoy a restored relationship with God. Anyone, anywhere can enjoy blessings of peace of love, of redemption, and hope in Christ Jesus. His phrase, in Christ, happens over and over and over again in the book of Ephesians. In our 14 verses, it happens 12 times. So what do we mean by in Christ? Well, King Jesus and these blessings that he offers are a packaged deal. In Christ, we can access them. If we want to ignore him, we can't access these blessings. You can't ignore him and find something that exists only within him. These blessings are a little bit like your friend having a beautiful, fancy yacht. I've seen a lot of these in Port Douglas. Your friend having a beautiful, fancy yacht makes absolutely no difference to your life unless you take up his invitation to jump on board and sail around the world. And so just like being with your friend who owns the yacht, when we are with Jesus, when we are in Christ, every blessing that he has is made available to us. And that's exciting news for us as we follow him every day. So let's look today at three of these spiritual blessings and how they shape our identity and lives. Because it's only in Christ that we find out who we truly are designed to be and how we're called to live and what we're living our lives for. Paul challenges you this morning to let go of whatever you have carefully crafted at the top of your list of what makes you you, of what you're holding your identity um, securely in. He invites you to let go of what's at number one and to choose to put number one your identity as a beloved child of God, as one who is in Christ. So firstly, we find that in him, in Jesus, we are loved, chosen, and included. We read this in verse 4, where it says, For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us to be adopted as sons and daughters, through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and his will, to the praise of his glorious grace which he has freely given us in the one that he loves. The first thing Paul tells us, the cornerstone of our new identity, is that in Jesus we are loved, chosen and included, included into the life of the Trinity, the Father, Son and Spirit. Just as incredibly, he tells us that this has been true for a very long time, since before the world was created, So what does that mean to you? That means that your life, despite what you might be told, is not just some cosmic coincidence with no meaning. This blessing that we are offered in Jesus is the deep knowledge that your existence is intentional and precious to God. You were planned and longed for. God didn't decide to love you or become your father after you turned up and impressed him. With all your hustle and all of your achievements, that was not something that he was even swayed by. Before you could ever achieve or accomplish anything, God chose you. He dreamt you up, he loved you, and he chose you to be his child. One day we'll tell our little boy Tommy something very similar that we didn't choose to have him because he was excellent at spelling or great at golf or followed the right football team or became a plumber or a doctor. We will tell him that we longed for him for so long. Before he was born, we loved him, not for what he could offer us but for who he is, and that we will love him no matter what. That is the sort of great and intentional love that Jesus has for you. The enemy would love us to think that our life is just an insignificant coincidence and an afterthought of God's at best. But Paul tells us something so different. He tells us that God loves us, that is intentional, that he was thinking about you before the universe was created and that it gave him great joy to choose you. He shares that God loves you and wants to have a relationship with you just because you're you. A blessed and secure identity begins for us in knowing what the Father thinks of us. You were invited to live from a secure identity as a child of God. So I wonder today, what is your identity rooted in? Is it rooted in the firm belief that God chose you and loves you? And why does this question matter to you today? Why does it matter if you have an identity as a loved child of God? I think it matters because when we're spending all of our time, all of our energy, every decision, every part of our behavior and motivation, seeking after approval and love, then that takes up all of our time that we can be used doing better things. Every decision that you make with your time and emotional energy and your resources is headed in the direction of approval. You're living to create and maintain an identity in your own strength. But if you take time to stop striving, to rest each day in what is already true of you, what has been true about you before you were born, then you are free to live out that identity. That means that your time, those same resources and decisions can be made in another direction, that you can shape the way you live by your identity in Christ. It means that you're now available for the significant part that Jesus invites you to play in his story. You see, when you know God's love, when you spend time asking God to reveal his love to you and it bubbles up and it overflows from within you into your family, into your neighbors, your coworkers, the students at school, the people in your community. That means that you have become a person who is blessed and is blessing others out of the love that you have received. So instead of looking to others for what you can get for you to be okay and be approved of, you become someone who pours into other people, telling them about the love that God has for them, telling them about the worth that they have. And telling other people about how important they are to God is such a good way of us solidifying our identity. For someone who's doing a sermon on not following um, the world's pattern of worrying about what people think, I've had so many times this week where I've caught myself worrying about someone's opinion and going, oh gee, the person who's doing the sermon really should be doing better than that. And so it's important for us to be talking about this identity, reminding each other of it so that we can be keeping ourselves, our own brains to account. Being someone who blesses other people out of the blessing that we have received sounds like a beautiful identity to rest into me. And yet Jesus has even more for us. Today we read, secondly, that in him we have also got redemption. Let's look at verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood. That means it cost him something, cost him everything. We have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. We have redemption from a God not who was miserly and who wanted to hold back his forgiveness and was like, oh, okay, but from a God who lavished his love on us when we had absolutely nothing to offer him. We didn't ask for it. He motivated this redemption. Ephesians contains some of Christianity's key descriptions of the good news that we celebrate here and every day as Christians. This good news that we celebrate is not that you worked really, really, really hard, and as a broken person who makes decisions that hurt yourself and hurt others, you overcame that and you saved yourself. That's not good news because it's impossible. I don't know about you, but every time I try, in my own strength to do something as simple as giving up sugar, I find myself at the Hague's counter within a fortnight where I am too well known. So the idea of working hard enough to never lie or to never hurt someone that I care about, to never hate someone that I disagree with, to never choose myself over others or choose my convenience over creation or choose my way over God's way, that is impossible to me. Maybe you're doing better than me. But I think that we each know that we could not save ourselves. Paul tells us we can't save ourselves, but the good news is that there is one who did save us. Not who will, who did. Who did before we knew that we needed it. Ephesians 2 tells us when you were dead in your sins, living the way that you used to live and doing your own thing, Christ in his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy, made us alive. Even when we were dead in our sins, he made us alive. It is by grace that we have been saved. If you don't know about this spiritual reality, this spiritual blessing that God offers us in Christ of his work to save us, if you still think that it's all down to you, you are going to feel that God is very disappointed in you. Many people feel that way. Maybe you feel that way. If you ask many people in the street what the dominant feeling that God might have towards them would be, many would say it's disappointment. Disappointment in what they don't do, disappointment in what they do do. If we feel like God's disappointed in us and there's nothing we can do, why would we want to have any sort of relationship with him? Who wants to spend time with someone who is mad at them all the time? The spiritual blessing of lavish redemption and grace that we read about in Ephesians is beautiful, good, powerful news because it means that in Christ we can enjoy freedom from guilt. We don't have to constantly feel like a wretched disappointment to God or to ourselves, always trying, trying, trying to be good enough, to overcome our own brokenness by sheer muscle power. We don't have to feel this way because all of our bad decisions Every brokenness, every sin, every time that we chose our way and choose our way over God's way has been forgiven in Christ because of the perfect life, death and resurrection of Jesus. He has redeemed us. And as redeemed people, the beautiful mystery of God is that instead of trying to be good enough, we rest in his forgiveness and we start to look like Jesus, even without trying as hard as we were before. We don't live like Jesus by willing ourselves to look like Jesus. We live like Jesus by remembering. We change by focusing on whose we are. There is freedom in choosing your own identity as a redeemed child of God. And thirdly, we read today in Ephesians that we have received as redeemed beloved children of God an eternal inheritance. When you believed verse 13 says you were marked in him with a seal the promised Holy Spirit who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. The last spiritual blessing we see is the presence and the promise of the Holy Spirit who is this guarantee of our eternal inheritance. Not an inheritance that you can spend in five minutes, not an inheritance that might last for 20 years, but one that will last forever. As Christians, we look forward to eternal inheritance in the kingdom of God with the King himself, King Jesus. The hope of this kingdom is that one day all things will be put right. I don't know about you, but when I look at our world, I need this more desperately today and this week than ever before. In this kingdom, there will be no more crying, no more conflict, no more pain. This will be because we live a resurrected life with the resurrected Christ. Our inheritance now and forever is the presence of our loving God with us to be enjoyed forever. And the Holy Spirit is the way that we experience this inheritance now, here. It's the guarantee of this inheritance. And I think this is so generous of God because... I find myself, and maybe you have similar, when life gets really hard and the bottom falls out of my plans, my circumstances, the things I thought I had security in, it's really easy for me to doubt. I don't know about you, but I was really coming to the end of my COVID length and thinking, oh, I can see the light at the end of the tunnel, like Mike said, the masks will be gone soon, we're getting back to normal, and then Putin, and then floods. And then whatever is happening in your world that you've brought with you today that is heavy and dark and feels hopeless, those are the things that God knew were coming. He did not leave us just in our own will again, trying to stay strong, waiting for an inheritance. He knew that we would doubt, that we would fear and that we would find life discouraging. And so he sent us the Holy Spirit to comfort, to encourage us, to live within us and to give us power to live the lives that we are called to. The Holy Spirit is why what happens to us doesn't mean that it's not true that God is still at work. It means that no matter what happens to you or around you, you can trust that God is still good, that he does still love you, and that he is going to do what he said he was going to do. I love what one Peter says about our inheritance in the message version. He says, what a God we have. How fortunate we are to have him, this father of our master Jesus. Because Jesus was raised from the dead, we've been given a brand new life and we have everything to live for, including a future in heaven. And the future starts now. God is keeping careful watch over us and the future. The day is coming when you'll have it all life, healed and whole. The thing about a deposit is it's not much good if you don't use it. The Holy Spirit is inviting you today and every day to ask him to show up, to ask him to make real to you your experience of God. Perhaps you've never felt his love in a tangible way. The Holy Spirit longs to be invited into your life to make your inheritance true now. Friends, he's here to remind us that in Christ we are so blessed. We are loved We are redeemed, we have been sealed with the Holy Spirit and so we look forward to an eternity with Jesus. So what should our response to these spiritual blessings today in 2022 in our real lives be? Our response, I think, should be just like Paul, to praise and to be thankful. You see, these spiritual blessings, unlike the physical ones that we delight in, cannot be taken away, regardless of where you find yourself in life. Remember, Paul was in prison when he said this to you. It's not coming from someone who had it all together. Even this sermon is certainly not coming from someone who has it all together. I too have sat in dark places. We've shared some of them as a family with you. We don't share the good news of Jesus and his love and his presence with you from a place of just pretending everything is okay. This is good news because it holds up in the darkest of days. We know how easily the circumstances that surround us can change and how vulnerable physical blessings and possessions can be. Paul, even when everything is stripped from him, knows that the good news of Jesus, his identity, his redemption and his future held in Jesus cannot be taken from him. So this week, will you follow the example of Paul? Would you praise God for every spiritual blessing that you have access to in Christ Will you ask yourself, is there something that you've been allowing to be defining your identity that you need to let go of? Is there something that you need to put down a peg so that you can replace it with your identity as a beloved, redeemed child of God? Will you lay down your striving for acceptance from others? And will you choose to obediently rest in what God says he has already made true of you? Will you soak in the blessing of your adoption into God's family? Will you celebrate the riches of God's grace towards us in his powerful redemption? Will you stop trying continually to measure up, but instead live as one who is already forgiven, redeemed and loved? Church Paul wants us, he wants the Ephesians to know that the gospel story is the biggest the best, the brightest, the most adventurous, beautiful story that you can ever be a part of. Because in it, you find who you are in your identity in Christ and the significant role that you have to play in his story. Your life has a purpose far outside of striving, far outside even of sitting in the blessings that I've spoken about today. Your life has a purpose to live for the praise of his glory. We should never forget that as followers of Jesus, we are blessed not for our own sakes alone, but to be a blessing, a rich, overflowing blessing into the world around us. Ephesians 2 tells us that we are God's handiwork created in Christ to do good works which God prepared in advance for us to do. As I look around the room, I know just a portion of the skills and abilities and heart that you guys have. What is stirring in your heart when you hear that God has created you as His handiwork with good works in advance for you to do? You are free to stop striving and instead to pay attention to the delight of your heart and the contribution that you have to make in the world. In Ephesians 4.1, Paul challenges us, I urge you to live a life worthy of this beautiful calling that you have received. We are not here to stockpile treasures for ourselves. We are here to spend ourselves on behalf of others. Imagine what a difference living like the free you in Christ could make to the world around you. That is the invitation that Paul's words, that God's words offer you today. This morning, would you stand with me so I can pray for us as we take in the blessings that God has offered us and the difference they can make to us in our world. Let's pray. Loving Father, we thank you that your good news is better than we can imagine. God, we thank you that your Holy Spirit exists to make our eternal inheritance true to us now. Jesus, we are so many things in you. I think being your beloved child has got to be the best. I thank you that for each person here, no matter what their earthly family was like, no matter what their circumstances around their birth were like, they have been longed for They are precious to you and you have such joy in them, God, by your spirit in us. Would you allow that truth to soak into their hearts? For each of our minds, Lord, would you help us to do the work of replacing the automatic thoughts of having to do more, be better, impress other people, earn things. I pray you would help us to be a disciplined people who will choose instead to soak and rest in what is true of us because of you. Jesus, thank you for the blessings that we have in you that can never be taken away. Would you help us as your people to be so overjoyed by who you are that we are all about loving other people out of the love you have first given us. Thank you that you offer us freedom, redemption, hope and love. And we love you right back. In Jesus' name, amen.